there's obviously genetics and there's obviously predisposition in the family genetic line coming from your mother and your father that can influence your own health. But our diet, the things we're exposed to, the toxins we're exposed to, the toxins we can eliminate from our lifestyle, all of these things contribute to who we are and the, the ability of the human body to rejuvenate itself is phenomenal. With no limitations, what does your perfect day look like? What if it's possible to live like that every day? Would you wake up after 9am, have perfect health, maybe fire your boss, have the money and freedom to do what you love most? The world is your oyster. Where would you be? Who would you be with? The possibilities are endless. Whether you believe it's possible for you or not, you can make more, work less, and live free. Welcome to Freedom Hack Radio, where entrepreneur, best-selling author, world traveler, and adventurer, Bryce Robertson and special guests crack the code on money, health, relationships, spirituality, and having fun doing what you love most. Be inspired to create your own self-designed freedom lifestyle. Welcome back to another episode of Freedom Hack Radio, where you learn to work less, make more, and live free. I'm your host, Bryce Robertson, and today we are going to talk about health and energetic healing. So you may remember in episode three, uh, health, we, we discussed the effects of our mental attitude and, and emotions that have on our health. Also, we talked about toxicity from our environment and our living conditions, and we talked about pH levels and their effect on our health we also discussed the frequencies of food and you know we talked about radiation from microwaves so I've researched these topics and their effects on our body and I think it's super important uh, that we all know about this and joining us today to discuss these topics in greater detail is our very special guest Joanne Brown for more than 12 years, Joanne has worked as a natural therapist in Queensland, Australia, using frequency-based therapies in conjunction with traditional Chinese medicine principles. She's also certified in bioresonance therapy. Joanne also works as an energy healer with intuitive clients to shift energetic blocks and make space for new possibilities. In her intuitive sessions, she also helps her clients to reduce the hold of toxins and pathogens with their energetic systems and their connections to disharmonious belief systems and emotions. In her work, she draws from both her natural therapy work and her engineering background and experience with microorganisms and toxins, namely uh, heavy metals and chemicals, and their interactions. Joanne sees the scientific and intuitive worlds as being on the same continuum rather than being polar opposites, and views her work as a bridge that, continue, that contributes to spanning the perceived divide between these worlds. Joanne provides distance sessions for her clients through her website, joedouglasbrown.com. She has helped hundreds of people in Australia, in the USA, Canada, and Europe through both in-house and distance therapy sessions. So Joe, I'm super excited to have you on the show today, mate. Thanks for joining us. Hi there, Bryce. It's, it's great to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And, and Joe, I've got to know, uh, what's giving you the most gratitude today? Oh, just being able to wake up in, uh, I live in a beautiful um, rural community. It's a sapphire mining community. And it, each morning, the cockatoos 
just start shrieking and, and begin the day. It's, um, it's a beautiful thing. That's awesome. That is so awesome. Yeah. So like, I have the same feeling. Like I wake up here, I hear the birds singing, I look outside, there's the abundant nature. It's such a good feeling. That's, that's really cool. I'm glad that you love where you yeah. live. Yeah, yeah. So you went from an engineering and science background to energetic healing. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how that shift came about? Yeah, uh, I've always been fascinated with how things work. Um, the engineering side, I think that came largely from my dad, but it was a bit of a transitional process because I was actually studying to be a civil engineer when I was having health problems. And I found that frequency therapies were um, providing me with the best results, even better than acupuncture, which really, really Mm. surprised me. But the natural therapies were working for me in a way that the conventional medicine and pharmaceuticals weren't. So I really became immersed in learning and understanding why they were helping me and how they were helping me. And, and I also recognized at that time that there were emotional and spiritual components that contributed to my personal health. So in addition to having food allergies and um, toxicity from amalgams, you know, mercury fillings, there were also emotional imbalances in my life and some um, negative belief systems that weren't consistent with me that I was carrying from other people. Mm -hmm. So I felt that I had to acknowledge the emotional and the spiritual aspects as well, which kind of led me to to the more intuitive um, forms of, you know, addressing imbalances. Yeah. And like one of the things that I think is really cool about you, Joe, is that you're, you're a skeptic before you're a believer. Absolutely. You want to talk a little bit more about, <laughs> um, about that side of you and, 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 and that you do things to be proven to you before you're going to buy into it. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, as, again, I was studying civil engineering when I was first exposed. I first had my first bioresonance therapy session Um, A friend had recommended me. I had chronic fatigue at the time. I had chronic diarrhea. Um, I would have migraine headaches for three days straight. Um, Most mornings I would have a panic attack at 10.30 (laughs) a.m. So all of these things were happening and it was really distressing. Um, It affected my ability to, you know, be self-supporting and earn money. And I wanted to find answers. But, um, yeah, so I started having these bioresonance therapy sessions. And in spite of my skepticism, I was starting to get better. So the evidence, from a scientific point of view, the evidence was proving my skepticism to be wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was, my health was improving my friends and family were noticing. They were asking me what, what I was doing, what I was doing different mm-hmm. um, because they could see this transformation happening for me even though I wasn't mentally invested in it at the time. Um, yeah, and this I've also done this in other things as well. I had a, actually had a naturopathic session and the naturopath introduced me to the to numerology Hmm. 
And at the time, she spent more time talking about numerology than she did about the naturopathy. So I got myself a book and I did my own numerology and I did that for all of my family members, for my ex-husband, for my current husband, because I wanted to, to see if there was anything in it. And I figured I had to give it a chance. So, you know, I basically looked at the numerology for seven people and um, I could not fault the accuracy of the numerology. So I think my scepticism and my need to prove if something is helpful for me or not, I actually think it's a really healthy thing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we've got to yeah. question things. We don't want to just like buy into everything. Um, you know, and, and that's what I recommend to everybody listening to this too. I mean, we're going to talk about a lot of really, really valuable things today, but like try it on yourself and like you track yeah. the results and you tell us uh, what the results are. I mean, I've actually, a lot of things we're going to talk about today, I've actually implemented in my life and they've, yeah. they've had a huge impact. So that's why it's, I'm so excited about it. Um, I'm curious, uh, just real quickly here, the numerology, when you did this for like seven people, what was the numerology based off? Was it new, based off their name or, or their birth date or, or something like that? Like, how do you base a numerology off some one person? Well, there's, there's several different ways of looking at numerology and I did it purely based on the date of birth. Okay. So... So it's, there wasn't any discrepancy between what name you choose. Do you choose your preferred name or your birth name? You know, for me, my preferred name is Joe, J-O. It's yeah. short and simple. It's easy. Um, my full name, Joanne, has a hyphen, a capital A, which makes it, in, from my perspective, it makes it complicated. So when you go just back to the, the nuts and bolts, the core numerology of the date of birth, um, it makes it very simple and yeah. Seven people and like, you know, almost flawless like results. I think, I think that's yeah. fascinating. Um, it makes me want to learn a lot more about numerology. Um, I know you and I have had conversations in the past about mm -hmm. the concept that we as human beings uh, have the hundred percent responsibility over our health. And, you know, I think, I personally think this is a really freeing thing to know that I can control my health and that I can invoke positive health in my life. And I've done this and, and I've tried this on for size. Um, but there's some people out there, it's probably like, that's too much of a thing to like handle. And it's like, it's too much of a responsibility to take on. So how would you just like basically explain to people the concept that we as human beings are, are responsible for our health? Oh, I, this is a really good question. Um, when I think of health, when you think of the potential within your own body um, and the components that contribute to who you are, there's obviously genetics and there's obviously predisposition in the family genetic line coming from your mother and your father that can influence your own health but our diet the things we're exposed to the toxins we're exposed to the toxins we can eliminate from our lifestyle all of these things contribute to who we are and the, the ability of the human body to rejuvenate itself is phenomenal so we can't underestimate the 
environment we choose to live in, what we're exposed to, the level of pollution, toxicity, whether it's air pollution or, or what we eat through our foods, through um, foods that have been affected by chemicals. There's, we have so many choices. And it is, I, I agree with you, it's freeing and empowering when you know that you can make healthy choices you can, and you can be impacting your own biology by the choices that you're making. And to some extent, you can override a lot of the genetics that come through because, you know, where people lived, if somebody grew up and worked in a coal mine, all of those factors influence the toxins they're exposed to, the quality of the food they eat. And we're in a place now, we, we have a lot of knowledge around foods and potential contamination and so on, and we have a lot of choice. So we can choose to eat clean, organic foods, free-range meats if we choose to. Um, the, the choices are endless, and we have this knowledge base that our predecessors didn't have. Yeah, and I think that's really fascinating too, um, the, the fact that we may have these genetical things, you know, something, there's a lineage in our family that something medically keeps has been happening in the past, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to happen to us because we can make lifestyle changes and we can, we can do things to, to change our biology so that we're not as prone yeah. to it or maybe not even at all prone to it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Really exactly. That's that's amazing. Um, there was there was a I want to talk real quick on a water study that was done. Um, you may be familiar with this, Joe. It's uh, it was a water study performed by a Japanese scientist called um, Masuru Emoto, and in this study, he proved that human consciousness has an effect on the molecular structure of water. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to give a brief overview of what this study was. So um, there was a room and in the middle of the room, there's a bunch of water bottles. And, uh, and then there was a group of people standing around the water bottles. And then what they did is they all, they all stood there and they all just like felt the emotion of love. They didn't say anything. They just felt the emotion of love and they exuberated this emotion of love and they did it for a certain period of time. And then what they did is they took the bottles of water from the middle of the room, they went and froze them and then they ended up um, putting the frozen water under a microscope later on and they looked at the molecular structure and it was just this beautiful symmetrical geometric shapes that were in, in water. And it was fascinating. So they're like, all right, they went back to the room and then they did the same thing. But this time, instead of feeling love, they felt hate and like anger mm -hmm. and negative emotions and all of these things, right? And they did it for another certain period of time. And then they ended up taking that, freezing it, checking that. But this time they get a very different result. They looked at it and all of the, the particles and molecular structure was chaotic. And it wasn't yeah. symmetrical and it was all over the place. So they did that with the emotion. Then they went back to the room and they did the same test with love and hate, but this time with verbal words. And uh, they yelling out verbal words of love and compassion. Then they did another test with the you know, anger and hate words. And they went and tested that water, same results. Then they went and then they wrote on the bottles, like, compassionate words and loving words um and then they and they wrote on some other bottles some some hateful anger words and then they went and froze that water same result and then the last test they did was they played music they played uh, classical music 
uh, beautiful, peaceful, classical music. And then they also played, I think it was like some death metal or really heavy metal or something like that. And again, they got the same results. All of the love was all, um, was all, you know, beautiful structures. Everything was really symmetrical. It was amazing to look at. All of the hate-based stuff, uh, whether it was verbal, emotion, written, or music was all like chaotic and all over the place. And, you know, the thing that I find really fascinating about that is given that our body is 70% water, that's like pretty freaking important, you know, if we're speaking these words and feeling these emotions yes. and, and, and all of this. So um, what are your thoughts on this? Yes. Yeah. It's um, emotions. And, and as you said, the words that the verb verbiage that goes with the emotions is it's incredibly powerful. I, I actually believe that it is that is more powerful than some of the physically toxic elements, you know, like heavy metals and so on. Um, it's it's been proven that that kids who have grown up in non-supportive backgrounds, their immune systems are compromised from early time, in, very very early in their lives, which is really tragic and traumatic because they're not getting that that emotional support and the love that every child really needs to become a, a healthy contributing member of society. Um, it, and it, I think it's a, it's a tragic thing that, um, and that is a, is a great example of, of the impact of the words we use, the emotions we have. Um, I personally believe anger is a positive emotion Unless it is allowed to fester for an extended period of time, I believe there's a process that you need to be able to work through the anger so it becomes a productive force rather than a negative festering energy. But in the short term, I think um, what we call negative emotions, if, if we're allowed to acknowledge them within ourselves and find out the reason why we're experiencing them then we can transform that and and process that and turn it into something that is um can create momentum in our lives in a in a positive way it's something that we can change and how would we do that like what if what if we're like a really angry person and we like you know i i get what you were saying before about like anger because it's kind of like fear it's useful but if you're resonating in it and, um, yeah. and you're making all of your decisions based around fear, then it becomes not useful. Um, yeah. so, so I get that. But, but if someone's resonating too much or like, you know, spending too much time being angry, like how can we change that? Well, one of the things that I've come to see about like anger in particular is that anger usually is present when somebody's boundaries have been crossed. Mm-hmm. So if you can, if you associate anger with you know, I've, I have an angry outburst because somebody treated me in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Well, that gives me the opportunity to change how I interact with that person or how I interact with everybody. I can make changes and I can protect my energetic boundaries. I can make a stand. I can approach the person and say, you know, the way you treated me was unacceptable. Or if it's a, a long-term pattern with 
that person, it gives me the opportunity to decide where they fit in my life. If they're not willing to acknowledge my boundaries and my, my needs in a relationship, then you can do something about it. And it, it's almost a, um, a motivator for change. And it's similar with fear. When, you, when you're fearful, you kind of get stuck. You get frozen in a certain in a place. And sometimes one of the best things to do when you're fearful is to acknowledge what the fear is all about. And, you know, and there's, there's quotes flying around on Facebook and about how often you have to face your greatest fears to realize, you know, to overcome them. Um, sometimes... You know, there's, there's things that we can actually do to shift the energy of the negative emotions such as fear and anger. Yeah. On the fear topic, I actually think that it's an opportunity for us to expand our comfort zone too, you know? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, if, if we're That's scared right. because a lion's coming towards us and they're going to bite our head off, then we, we've got to pay attention to that. Um, but a lot of the other fears, they're just like, you know, kind of like things that we create in our head and we feel it in our gut and we can either choose to move forward um, or we can be crippled by it. So yeah. I, I personally yeah. think the more that we um, – go with that notice what it is well, i'm not actually in danger let's rock and roll mm -hmm. um, yeah i think that's an opportunity to grow so yeah on the, on another the, if, sorry go for it if you don't mind me bringing up something else in relation to that yeah sometimes these emotions can also alert us to the fact that there's imbalances in our body okay. because you know and back to tr traditional chinese medicine um there's a five element theory that groups different um organs in the body into into five there's five groups there's wood there's water there's metal there's fire and there's earth mm -hmm. now the wood element organs um include the liver and the gallbladder okay traditional chinese medicine says anger sits in the liver so if you have a tendency to be angry a lot what that is telling you is that there's an imbalance in your liver, that your liver is under load, it's stressed, it needs some support. So sometimes it's physical, physical you can get physical support and it's like an early sign of potential disease as well. When you, when you repeatedly experience these emotions, you know, you might have what is known as a liver fluke which is a parasite that lives in the liver and it can contribute to these angry emotions. You might have, you know, you might have a high level of heavy metals. So there's a lot of, there's a, sometimes emotions can be little like neon signs, you know, like a red light, a green light, a yellow light saying, Hey, there's something wrong here. And, you know, I need some help. You know, your liver's kind of screaming out for some help. So and the same with fear. Yeah, fear is, tends to be related to the kidneys and the bladder. Really? So if you're constantly in a state of fear, you may have an issue with your kidneys and bladder. Hmm. Okay. That's really interesting. So like, so mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're actually talking with somebody and you're looking to solve one of their problems that they have with their health, you'd be looking at it from like the, the physical side. 
Um, you, you could be also be looking at it from the dietary side and then you're looking at it from a spiritual and emotional side. There's like yeah. a lot of different like ways that we could approach it, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. And, yeah. And it's, it's, I find it really, again, empowering that you can be looking at things from different perspectives and you can be providing people support from different perspectives. Um, and hey, knowledge is power. When you, when you recognize that, um, you can do something about it. You're in a position, you have more a power to make changes in your life that you wouldn't otherwise have. Yeah, that's awesome because you might be doing something about your health, but then like if you've got an underlying problem with your internal organs and you're not even addressing them, wow, that's, that's really powerful. I, I didn't know that our emotions were tied to our internal organs. That's fascinating. Yeah. One thing that I also um, see, that it's, it's something that we can't necessarily see in our body, and that's pH levels. So, mm -hmm. you know, for people listening, just like a fish tank, all of you know when you're a kid, you had a fish tank, you had to check the pH levels. Um, and on one end of the scale is acidity, on the other end there's alkalinity, and you've got to find that right balance so the fish can survive. Because if it's too acidic, they're going to die. And if it's too mm -hmm. alkaline, they're going to die, and the fish tank's going to be covered in um, algae. And um, so we're, we're to find that. And, and the fact that we have uh, our body is 70% water, I believe that pH plays a big role um, yes. in, our, in our health. Do you want to talk about uh, pH and, and our health and, and how that affects us? Yeah, yeah. That's, it's a fascinating topic, pH. Um, and like you've just given a really good example of, of how, it, you know, it, how it works in a um, restricted ecosystem such as a fish tank because, you know, there's, there's not a lot of – Outside, well, there is no in outside interaction based on the glass, the glass walls. But in the human body, there's um, one thing I found fascinating when I first started recognizing um, the importance of the acid alkaline balance in the human body is that the foods that we view as being the most indulgent, the ones that we're treating ourselves or, you know, oh, I've had a bad day. The, the foods that we tend to be drawn to are more the, the like the party foods, the, mm -hmm. the I'm giving yourself a treat. Mm -hmm. They tend to be high in sugar. Mm -hmm. Your carbohydrates, like grain-based products, your baked goods, your pastries, um, your things like beer and peanuts, um, potato chips, all of the things that you tend to gravitate towards when you're, okay, I'm relaxed, I've had a mm -hmm. big hard week. So you get stuck into, you have a beer, you have a packet of chips or crisps, as I think you'd call them in the States, or French fries. Mm -hmm. um, all of these foods are highly acidic. So there's our culture almost puts acidic, well, yeah, a lot of the culture puts the acidic foods in this category that they're they're special and they're they're indulgent and they're ways that we good. can yeah. But my experience is those foods they're the foods that I need to avoid personally. Mm -hmm. I do not cope well on a high carb diet. Mm -hmm. I prefer to be grain free because your grains are higher in 
in acid, but I just don't feel good when I eat that stuff. I'm way better having, you know, fruits and veggies and, you know, um, you know, I do have some animal protein, but way less than I used to because your proteins, even your dairy products tend to be higher in, in, on the acid scale. So your green veggies are more alkalizing and they balance the diet. So when I was doing research on this originally, when I first found out about it, I, I came across information that was saying that for, to eliminate one part of acidity, um, you have to throw a couple of parts of alkalinity at it. And I can't remember if it was like two or four parts. Um, so really to eliminate acidity, we have to really, really crank up on alkalinity. Yes. I want to talk yeah. about that in a minute. Before we do, what, like, what happens if we have a really acidic diet and we have a really acidic pH? Um, what negative effects could that have in our body? Like what would that mean for us? It, it's phenomenal that the effects that, that that has you know things like your yeast infections um in australia we we tend to talk about candida mm -hmm. as being um your molds and your fungi tend to live in a highly acidic environment um you've also got your intestinal bacteria like your helicobacter pylori which produces ulcers it also lives in a highly acidic environment and it can often work really closely with your candidas and your, your molds that, you know, that affect your function. Things like, um, cancer is like, like thick, uh, it's like thickened blood, isn't it? Or like particles in the blood? No, candida is a type of, it's, it's a type of mold. Okay. And, um, when you tend to be craving a lot of sugars and sweet sweets, mm -hmm. Um, lollies, your sugars, your high carbs, then it's highly likely you have candida in your body already. Really? So okay. it's already living in an acidic environment mm -hmm. and you're craving more of that because it's not actually you who's craving it. It's the mold that's craving. Wow. So kind it's like, like a tapeworm where you got to like feed the tapeworm. Yeah, pretty really? much. That's so it's gross. <laughs> it is, and that's what is interesting about microbes is a lot of microbes is that they can have a, a parasitic effect, but they can also they can also change our behavior. Mm. Um, when you have candida, you you tend to be quite moody. <laughs> mm -hmm. You can be quite erratic and moody. But when you think about it, you've got these sugar spikes happening. You get your sugar hit, you feel good for. 10, 15 minutes, and then you come down off that and have this depressive low. So you're on this, mm. you're, it's a very um, erratic mood cycle that it creates. Yeah, and like when I was doing research on, on you know, acidity especially, it was, it was kind of mind-boggling because it just seemed as a general statement, it seemed like if you have a highly acidic pH in your body, it's basically the environment that is the perfect environment for disease and, Absolutely. and yeah. illness and, yeah. and all inflammation things, yeah, and all the things that we don't want. And so then it seems really obvious to me that um, if we crank up on alkalinity, we're actually eliminating yeah. lots of our acidity. And if we're yeah. in that right pH, we, from my research at least, and I want you to expand on this, but from my research, I found that in the perfect alkaline diet um, and, and the pH in our body, if it's correct, 
then it's kind of hard for disease and illness to survive. It's like it's almost the wrong environment for it. Exactly. Yeah, totally. And like what I was saying before about the Helicobacter pylori and the Candida, they tend to live in more acidic environments. Um, You were talking earlier about so many parts of alkaline to balance out so many parts of acidity. The interesting thing about the pH scale is... um, I'm not sure if... I I believe it's a logarithmic scale, which means it's a curve. So it's not a direct straight line relationship. Okay. So, and and you were talking about the parts and, and balancing it. So... Each pH level is about a hundred times higher than. It's a little bit difficult to explain, but again, it's not a straight line relationship. So, so, so when you were talking, like, so what you were saying is like the more the more alkalinity we have, like the 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 more effect. It's like a compounding effect on taking exactly the yeah scale. Okay, and for example, if you were to have a glass of coke like one cup of coke mm-hmm. coca-cola yeah. it would take 30 glasses of alkaline water to counteract the alkal the acidity of the coke to bring you back to a ph of seven which is neutral wow so if we're like if we've got like a high um soft drink or, or soda yes. diets if we're if we're smashing slurpees at 7-eleven um, yes. If we're drinking like tons of coffee and things like that, then yes. we've got a lot of work to do to to basically to take bring away it back. The negative effects. That's that's right. That's wow. right. And as you said, it tends to be compounding, and you have you're dealing with inflammation and disease. There's all sorts of intestinal issues that are caused by by you know an acidic environment. You can have skin conditions. It affects your whole body. So it affects. What do we do? So what do we do? Like how? Do, like what? What's alkaline foods? What can someone do if they want to crank up on alkalinity? What do they eat? Well, your fruits and your veggies. Classic, good old fruits and veggies. Um, the greens are, are particularly good. Mm-hmm. Your greens and the colours say a lot. If you if you can have a meal, and you're eating, you're eating vegetables that represent. That all the different colors, you know, you can have the cauliflower. Yep, potatoes are highly acidic. I personally am not a fan of potatoes because of the okay. the the um, glycemic index of them. Okay. They're yep. they're too too carby, too high mm-hmm. carb for me, mm-hmm. um, and they break down too quickly. Mm-hmm. So, um, like your cauliflower is white. <laughs> yeah. Then you've got your greens and you've got so many, you've got zucchini, you've got spinach, you've got, you know, even your peas and beans, they're legumes. Technically, they're more difficult to break down. But I have found when you reduce the high-carb starchy products, your body doesn't have, a, have as much trouble breaking down the legumes. Okay. And then you've got, you know, you've got your squashes and, and other veggies as well you know, like your carrots, you've got all those beautiful colours you can have on on your plate and it gives you an idea of the um, nutrients that they provide, the different, the colour groupings so as it's, well. it's pretty much back to basics. It's just like it's the same yeah. thing that we've been hearing, but, but it's explained in a different, from a different way. Um, and it's something that most people aren't aware of, pH levels in the body. I actually have pH test strips 
Um, this is what I use here, these pH That's test great. kits. And That's you can great. get these at your local pharmacy. And I actually just get this and I'll, I'll rip off about an inch of it. And then you take mm -hmm. it to the restroom and you pee and then you see what color it goes. And uh, yeah. as you can see, one end there is acidic and one end there is uh, alcohol or more alkaline. And you'll know That's where you're right. at. And it allows me to know where I'm at. And it's interesting. If I, if I do breathing exercises or if I just had a green juice, um, yeah. I am like so high on the alkaline scale. It's, it's awesome. Yes. And, uh, do, do you also, do you also test your saliva? I have not done that. No. Okay. Cause, um, that's a good reading to do first thing in the morning as well. Check really? your saliva levels after you've been asleep all night. Okay. So, that's interesting. Yeah. Is there the possibility of a little bit of additional acidity at nighttime? Yes. In our mouth? Yeah. It's likely to be more acidic, but it also gives you a bit of an idea of, of what's going on as well. So yeah, okay. consider that too. I've always wondered, I don't know if you can shed any light on this, but I've always wondered like in the morning, should I, should I go and brush my teeth or should I go straight for like a big thing of water and, and, and chug a bunch of water? Do I want to wash all of that stuff down in my mouth and into my gut or, or should I brush my teeth? Well, if your body's detoxing well and based on your diet, I would be saying it is, you know, things like having your regular bowel motions, it means you're not, you're not kind of, you don't have an accumulation of um, waste that hasn't been removed mm -hmm. regularly. Uh, I don't see a problem with you having a big drink of water. Okay. I think that's a really good starting place actually. Okay, so you're not worried about like any of the bacteria or anything that we've, we've stored in our mouth overnight. We can have a glass of water and massively dilute it and it's probably not a big problem. Well, when you say that, you bring up something, um, another issue um, that is related to your mouth and your teeth. Okay. If you have bacteria in your teeth, and we were talking earlier about the different the five element groupings within traditional Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. Well, each of your teeth aligns with one of those different groupings. Okay. So if, for example, your wisdom teeth are what we call fire element, mm -hmm. which relates to your heart circulation, small intestines and your hormones. Really? So um, if you have all your wisdom teeth removed, mm -hmm. then when you're chewing, those organ systems aren't being stimulated by the, mm. the chewing in the body. And when you think purely from the point of view of your hormones, the triple warmer meridian that's represented by in the fire element by your wisdom teeth, mm. no wonder we have so many um, hormonal issues in the Western world because one of the first things we do is we rip out our wisdom teeth. We, pull them out, get rid of them, um, and there's, there's going to be impacts on the body. But you were talking about bacteria in relation to the teeth. Mm -hmm. So um, when there's any kind of bacterial infection in the mouth, it can have flow-on effects to other parts of the body as well, depending on which teeth Really? They're, okay. they're within. So like your four front teeth, your four top teeth and bottom teeth, mm -hmm. they're water element which relate to your kidneys and bladder. 
Okay. So regardless of if you're actually like swallowing water from bacteria in your mouth, if you've got some in your teeth, you can, you can feel those effects in your organs. So going back to where you were actually saying, would we take our wisdom teeth out? Is there anything that we can do that would sort of counteract the off um, hormonal balance or, or does our, does our body end up getting used to it and adjusting? Well, I, th- I think um, hormones is a really big issue. Hormonal imbalances in, in society. There are other ways of supporting supporting our hormones, and you know, just a, part of the prob- part of the issue is just even knowing it's a, an issue to begin with. Mm-hmm. There are there are herbal supplements that we can take that are really supportive of our hormonal systems. Like for women, particularly, there's um, Phytex Agnus Castus is mm-hmm. the Latin name. It's also called Chase Tree it's it's a herb yeah it's a herb that really is helpful for a lot of women and it's you know it's been used by herbalists for for such a long time so there's there's different herbal supplements that we can take that can help counteract those negative effects yeah if we have had our our wisdom teeth out we are feeling something off hormonally we can we can sort of veer off and try some herbs and and see how that makes an effect yeah that's really cool yeah i like that Mm -hmm. Mm. one one thing that i find really fascinating and i find this fascinating for a whole variety of reasons but it's it's the fact it's the concept of the spectrum of light and what humans can see on the spectrum of light is basically the rainbow of colors. And um, to explain this, I would say that let's just say we're looking at a ruler and a ruler is uh, 30 centimeters long or it's 12 inches long. And um, the, the spectrum of light that human beings can actually see is around about like um, a quarter of an inch or, or five millimeters is tiny compared to the rest of the ruler. And on the, yeah. on the rest of the spectrum, there's gamma rays, X-rays, ultraviolet rays, infrared rays, there's radar, there's FM wavelengths, there's TV wavelengths, there's shortwave, and there's AM. And so there's all mm-hmm. these, like, there's this whole soup of um, frequencies and, and spectrum of light that we as humans can't see, but they're still around and they still, like, massively affect us. And, um, I mean, I think it's really important yeah. that we know about this. What do you think about all of this? Oh, for sure. For sure. And that is one of the, I think it's one of the biggest potential um, threats. The Some of the frequencies that are harmful, because we can't see them, we can be a little bit oblivious and therefore we, we're not aware of the risks involved. So um, in terms of, and, and there's, yes, we have the beautiful colours, of the rainbow and there are actual therapies there are modalities that are based on providing um support for the human body based on introducing individual colors Mm. to certain parts of the body color therapies the color spectrum therapy there's a there's a, a number of them that are recognized and certified um that that do help the body just even on that scale, just even on the color scale, we're affected by it, yeah. let alone on the other ends of the spectrum. I mean, I know one of these things that human can't physically see is radiation. Yes. Um, yes. Can you talk about what, um, like how this, like what things in our life, in our daily life emit radiation that affect us? 
Yeah. Yeah, well, your mobile phones are probably the biggest ones because we carry them around. They're, we can communicate. I could call you from my mobile phone and you're, you know, you're, within, you're in the United States. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've got this amazing connection provided by Wi-Fi now um 5g is really kicking in but there are the the research is showing that 5g the energy produced from the the frequency band that is utilized for 5g is pretty harmful especially from a neurological point of view in terms of even child development the the development of children's brains can be set back based on um, and negatively affected based on exposure to the 5G. Wow, because like the the connection's really awesome, but there's these these the radiation yeah. waves that are happening around it. So so the yeah. kids that I see out there like scrolling through the iPads and, and everything like that, like that that really I didn't know that it had negative effects on the development yeah. of children's brains. That's that's yeah. Cool. And that's probably one of the biggest ones. There's, we're also exposed to radiation through computers, um, laptops, um, televisions, even even um, even like a hairdryer and you know a straightener, hair straightener, those things. But one of the big, most important things to consider when you're looking at radiation is the length of time you're exposed to it and how close you are to it. So with my mobile phone, I can talk to you and I can hold it up to my ear, which I don't tend to do. I tend to hold it. I tend to hold it and have it on speakerphone. Mm -hmm. That's how I, that's how I make all of my phone calls. Um, Now pretty much regardless of who I'm talking to. So with one of the things to consider with your 5, 5G and your other Wi-Fi, 3G, 4G, 5G, depending on where you live, is um, the biggest consideration I find that I believe is probably paramount is that if you can turn it off at nighttime while you're sleeping, it allows your body time to rejuvenate and replenish. And you don't have that additional stress on your body while you're sleeping. So when you say turn it off, what do you mean? Like literally like turn your phone off or, or is there like a mode on our phone that reduces the amount of radiation or like what, what, what does like airplane mode do? Does that do anything? Or Airplane, airplane mode prevents um, messages coming back and forth. I believe it shuts down your texting, texting function as well. Yeah. Um, but so you, yeah, at night time, it's a good idea to, to put your phone on flight mode. So you're not actually, your phone isn't receiving or sending signals. So if you have your phone on your bedside table next to the bed, it, it easily could be a few feet from your head. Mm. And so when it's receiving and sending signals through the night, that's interrupting, potentially interrupting your sleep patterns. Um, it's not allowing your body to replenish. It's not allowing your, your, the cells of your body to rest and recharge, which is, is what our sleep time is for. 
And so a lot of us are going to use our phones. A lot of us, like our, our life mm. revolves around phones. So um, the concept of not using a phone would just seem like almost impossible for, for a lot of people. Um, so, you know, you're saying if we are using it, use it, like try and keep it away from us a little bit. Um, yeah. Use the speakerphone or use like the, the plug-in earbuds if we can. And yeah. if we weren't going to turn it off at night, let's say that we had to have our phone because – um, we, we need to be there for emergency calls and stuff like that. How far away do you think it would be comfortable, a, a safe, comfortable distances? If we uh, do we have, do we leave it at the other end of the room? Do we have to leave it in the kitchen? Like, what would you say? At my time? Um, I always put my phone on flight mode, mm-hmm. and it's it's on silent at night time, um, because our spleen tends to be the most affected organ that an organ system in the body which can lead us to be overthinking if we're always on we can't relax if we're always mentally um switched on we can't sleep properly we overthink we we tend to be obsessive in our thinking ocd those kind of tendencies are related to an overactive spleen so when you ask about uh I must admit I have my phone in the bedroom, the other end of the bedroom when I'm sleeping, but it is on flight mode and it is on, well, it's on silent, which if it's on flight mode, I'm not going to receive anything anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, We want to keep just, it far away though, right? It's, yeah, but ultimately, room. yeah, ultimately it goes back to the, the two principles. Mm-hmm. You've got to consider the proximity, how close you are to the radiation source mm-hmm. and the length of time that you're exposed to the radiation. So if you can limit those things, you know, you don't need 5G on while you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. So you, you can turn it off. And we sometimes our health requires that we make lifestyle changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I mean, I've made them myself. I mean, I've made a lot of changes uh, myself. My wife and I started researching this. Actually, I saw a, it was a presentation. You can find it on YouTube. There was an American lady who did a ton of research on the impact of cell phones. And she went to uh, Melbourne, I think it was Melbourne, a university of Melbourne. She gave a speech back in 2015 about the effects and the studies of of cell phones and what it's like for a woman to hold it in a pocket near her breast and a guy yeah. um, to, to hold it um, down near his uh, reproductive organs and, and all of this yes. sort of stuff and like kids holding him. And it was like really fascinating study. But one of the things about it was that I didn't know that um, we, we get radiation from cell phones, just like we get radiation from uh, microwaves, but they're just yeah. like on a bit of a different, I think it's a different pulse or a different frequency or something like it's that. It's a different frequency. Yeah. So like it's obvious, your cell phones are bad for us. Um, we, we need to be conscious of that with our health because they obviously have an impact on our health. What about microwaves? Absolutely. Microwaves actually change the chemical structure of your food. So, um, I'm not a fan of microwaves at all and I encourage all of my clients to use other forms of heating for their for their foods. Um, yeah, it's it's challenging and, and some people can be a bit reluctant but um, when people start seeing noticeable results in their health and when you relate it to something like fertility, I have, you know, I work with young couples who are trying to fall pregnant and I say, hey, if 
if your husband's a tradie, a tradesman in Australia, yeah. and he's carrying his mobile phone in his pocket, can he carry it somewhere else? You know, can he carry it in a vest rather yeah. than having it in direct contact with his body? Because the radiation can can reduce your fertility. Yeah, that's that's mind-boggling. On the topic of microwaves, um, my wife and I just once we found out the information about it, we were just like, "Oh, we can't use a microwave." And in the beginning, yeah. it was like, "Man, like I like heat just about everything in the microwave." And it yeah. was like, "What am I going to do?" And so we went out and we bought a toaster oven. And it's a toaster oven is around about the same size, a little bit smaller than a microwave. And you can do everything that you can do with a microwave, but instead of it taking yeah. five minutes, it takes twenty minutes. Yeah. Um, and a little yeah. bit of more time into it. So you've got, kind of got to plan a little bit ahead. Um, That's right. But I think everything tastes better. It tastes amazing. You can taste it. I totally just, agree. Like if you microwave something, it's kind of just depleted and steamy and kind yeah. of a weird taste. Well, and that's and just consider too what I said about the chemical structure of the food is changed by a microwave. So it makes sense that it's going to taste different because it's, it is different. As a result of the waves, the the microwaves that it's been, the food's been exposed to. Yeah, that's mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. So, another thing, another thing, and this is this kind of like segues into this is another thing that we can't really see is the frequency in our food. Um, so, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming that the radiation from the microwave is changing the frequency of the food. Um, you and I have talked before about inside frequencies and outside frequencies. What are outside and inside frequencies? Do you mean inside the body and outside of the body? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. This is, there was a, a really brilliant scientist, American scientist from the 1920s, and he did several, he had a research project and he discovered that each of us, each of us, well, he was working more directly with viruses and bacteria at the time. So he discovered that each virus Mm -hmm. and each bacteria has its own signature wave pattern. So it has a frequency that it is activated at and it also has a frequency where it can be killed at. Mm-hmm. So, um, and since the 1920s, other researchers and scientists and um, naturopaths and so on have discovered that all of all of the microbes, the parasites, bacteria, molds, um, viruses, mm-hmm. they each of them has this frequency range where they can be activated or deactivated. And it's the same with, with your foods. For example, like wheat, if you have organic wheat, mm-hmm. it's going to have a specific signature wave pattern. Okay. If you have wheat that has been grown in, I think in the States, glyphosate's a really big one, mm-hmm. a big one of the pesticides and insecticides used. It's, the wheat is, if it's grown with, with, and with a specific pesticide, it's going to have a very different signature pattern to the organic wheat because there's another, um, there's another factor that's been introduced into the wheat that has changed it. It's it's so it different. Influence the frequency and it changes. Absolutely, okay. absolutely, um, and so. People can 
have no reaction to your organic wheat, mm -hmm. but they can be highly reactive to, you, to your wheat that includes the component of your pesticides and insecticides. And that could be directly relating to the health in their body because it's either, it's either uh, promoting uh, poor exactly. health um, exactly. or it's promoting good health, depending on you know, what it is and what frequency it is and everything like yeah. that. Yeah, and I'm probably I'm probably going off topic a bit here, but that I think is one very big explanation for why we have an increased rate of gluten intolerance in the Western world mm. because of the introduction of the chemicals into oh. the equation. So it actually affects the signature wave pattern of the wheat because of the introduction of the, the chemicals. So we want to have the good, we want to have the good high frequency foods um, because that's good for our body. And I want to talk about that in a minute. But you also just talked about the difference between non-organic and organic. And I know that some people out there they still haven't um, they're not sold on the organic concept, or maybe they don't want to spend the money to buy organic products because it costs a little bit more. Mm -hmm. You had taught me about the dirty dozen and the clean fifteen. What what do you want to talk about? What these two different food groups are? Yes, um, there's, there's a, an organization in the States called the Environmental Working Group. And every year they provide, they, do, they run studies, they do testing on specific foods um, and they, oh, I was really, my mind was boggled by one particular study a few years ago and it showed, I think it showed that strawberries are highly susceptible to your pesticide load. And they're more likely retain, to retain it than some other fruits and veggies. And this one of the the recent one of the scientific studies showed that one strawberry had they could detect twelve different types of chemicals within that one strawberry, which I found to be pretty phenomenal. So every every year they do these the, the testing in the studies, and they show the foods that um, you know the dirty dozen refers to the fruits and vegetables that have that have been proven to have a high pesticide load and to retain high levels of pesticides so, so the, the, you're talking about the non non-organic uh, types of food uh, absolutely they don't have the yeah. organic label they're not organic and they're really soaking up they just really soak up like pesticides and, and herbicides and all that kind of stuff right so exactly yeah so, so this dirty dozen if we are going to just if we're not going to have organic foods and we're going to stay away from these are the ones that we've got to be careful of because they're just jam-packed with the highest concentration of, of all of these pesticides and everything like that, right? Exactly. And your berries are super susceptible because they don't they're, – they're kind of unprotected. They're just mm – -hmm. so they tend okay. to soak it, in, soak it in more easily. And then at the other end of the spectrum is the Clean 15, which are the fruits and veggies that are less susceptible to the pesticide load. Okay. So – um, just, before, just before we talk about those, I've actually pulled the list of the dirty dozen up in front of me here, and I'm just going to read it out. Um, so we've got strawberries, spinach, kale, nectarines, apples, grapes, peaches, cherries, pears, tomatoes, celery, and potatoes. 
And this is just the Dirty Dozen. Um, and I'm going to share the link to the Dirty Dozen and the, and the Clean 15 for all of you listeners. You'll see it in the show notes. Um, and then when you actually like click on the link, you can click on get the full list. And there's around about mm-hmm. 47 or 48 of these fruits and vegetables that, uh, that are more highly susceptible. So I just wanted to like point that out. Sorry, you were going to talk about the Clean 15. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Clean 15 are the fruits and veggies that are less susceptible to the pesticide load. So I know a lot of people who don't um, don't choose to eat purely organic foods. Um, sometimes there are financial um, considerations because, you know, your organic food is going to cost more. So this is a really good way of... Um, a rational, scientifically proven way of approaching the foods that you do choose to eat that are organic as opposed to the foods you don't. It helps you make the decision. You know, the research has been done and it's it's an easy, easy choice as to which... So which if we're only going to buy ones. a few organic products, we're going to go with the Dirty Dozen. So we'll be the Dirty Dozen. We're going to get organic versions of those because they're exactly. otherwise high in pesticides. But if we, if yeah. we weren't going to um, get anything organic, then the ones that are most safe would be the Clean 15. Yes. And yeah. I've got that list in front of me right here. Excellent. And, uh, <laughs> and that one's avocados, um, sweet corn, pineapple, onions, papaya, sweet peas that have been frozen, eggplant, asparagus, cauliflower, cantaloupe, um, or rock melon is also um, called, uh, broccoli, mushrooms, cabbage, honeydew melon, and kiwi fruit. And there's a little note here that says, if you're getting sweet corn or papaya in the US, um, a lot of it's made from genetically modified seeds, so that's another thing to take into consideration, but that doesn't really concern people in other areas of the, of the planet. So, so you're saying that these vegetables and fruits, we can be, they're relatively safe and they're safer than, yeah. than other ones anyway. Yeah, yeah. I would like to, to put a, a flag on the corn as well because corn can be genetically modified. There's a bit of a history with corn in that respect. So that's a bit of a disclaimer on the corn as well. Yeah. Yeah, we, we that's that's one that we always. Uh, I mean, we always buy organically anyway. But sometimes yeah. when you go to a restaurant, you can't guarantee that's it's right. going to be organic. So if we mm-hmm. there's corn at a restaurant and it's not an organic based restaurant, we just give it a miss. Um, yeah. We've actually yeah. um, done a bit of research on that one ourselves, and it's yeah. nasty. Um, and it's so, oh, that's also disclaim. Um, another comment I'd like to make too on that is that if you're eating really cleanly at home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's obviously obviously it's a personal choice, but um, it's a bit of a balance too. That you know you have to factor in that potentially you are going to be eating foods that have some pesticide load, or that you know when you're eating at a restaurant or yeah. getting takeaway, for example. So yeah, and that's the funny thing, you know. I mean. 
everyone's got their own opinion on, on what the lockdown experience has been like with COVID and everything like that. But I've never had so many home cooked meals. Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. amazing. I feel so good. Yeah. And like, yeah. uh, I was looking at myself the other day in the shower and I'm like, man, I've lost a little bit of like body fat from probably just from the foods that I was eating when I eat out. Um, yeah. I, I think it's, yeah. there's definitely some benefits from it. Um, so what high frequency foods, what high, what are high frequency foods, which should we be leaning towards? Well, in, again, Western world, we're really bad at our fruits and veggies and they're the ones that contain the nutrients. Um, I'm, I personally do eat, I eat, um, I eat meat. I know some people don't, mm-hmm. but I eat, I, I think I mentioned this earlier, I eat way less of it than I used to and I'm leaning more towards um, vegetable proteins as well. Yeah. From, you know, pea protein is a very good source of um vegetable protein mm-hmm. um use that a lot in my smoothies and you've also got you, you know your quinoa your um alternate grain sources that you know that are well they're not always grains either grains and seeds um and your nuts are very high in in protein mm-hmm. as well and your good fats so so we're kind of sticking towards veggies again. It's it's going back to like you know leafy greens and um, I think raw almonds are really high. Wheatgrass shots pretty high and high frequency. Yeah, yeah, and um, your almonds too. They're they're alkaline, but then I think a lot they're high. Out of all of the nuts, your your almonds are the most alkaline, so they're really good as a, a snack. Yeah, it's really cool. And um, yeah. I think another good rule of thumb when I was doing my research on high frequency foods is that the less you mess with it, the, the more that it's closer to its original form when it was grown on a plant, um, the better it is. So like, you know, if you're, you, you could have a high frequency food, but then you freeze it and then you microwave it and then you like, you cook it and whatever, yes. it's a losing yeah. frequency. So, and I think that's one that's of the right. theories behind why some people have a, a raw food diet or like to, to juice or have cold pressed juices, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, traditional Chinese medicine tends to lean towards having foods that is more your own body temperature. So heating it to to a level where your body doesn't have to work as hard to digest it. So that's a bit of an alternate um, concept I know that works for me better than a purely raw food diet. Um, Things like your slow cooked meals, your, um, you know, those lovely soups that you can make and you can, they, they take time to really for all of the, the nutrition, the flavors to blend and mix and, and they're just so tasty and comforting and, you know, those kind of meals are really good as well. And those kinds of meals taste better the next day or like the, the day after. Oh, they do. Exactly. It's like, it's more of that flavor. <laughs> Leftovers. So, so um, you talk about microorganisms and toxins. And I think this is a pretty important topic because, and we're kind of talking about like heavy metals and, and chemicals and, and their interactions. And I've heard a lot of people talk about 
um, the effects that uh, some certain types of vaccinations have had on their kids with certain types of heavy metals in there. Um, there's been a lot of cases of autism around that. Um, we're also now aware that we, we've got to be careful how much seafood we eat because there's <laughs> mercury levels in our seafood. And I believe even Tony Robbins has mercury poisoning and he's sort of dealing with that. And also as an ex-welder, I know that breathing in the fumes from aluminum and stainless steel had a really serious negative health effect. So what's the deal with heavy metals in our body? <sighs> heavy metals are hard to get away from because we breathe them in in the environment. Um, and as you said, with, the, with your um, food sources from the sea, your fish and so on, it, mercury tends to accumulate in the, in the chain, the ecosystem chain. So the phytoplankton might um, be eating from the bottom of the ocean and, and, it's, and part of its food source is, includes mercury. So then the next little fish up that eats the, the phytoplankton, it's, it, each little bit of mercury that these little fish have kind of gets carried on into the next fish up. Really? So it's, a bite, it's an accumulation. Is that the science behind why they say, hey, like the ones with the highest mercury content are the big fish, like swordfish and, and stuff? Absolutely, really, because they've eaten all the little fish. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Didn't know that. Okay. So there are so many sources of mercury in our environment and probably the biggest one is for those of us who have had or still have mercury or amalgam fillings. Mm -hmm. We're constantly exposed to... The, that heavy metal within our mouth and it can impact on our brain function our learning capabilities it it can the there are certain organs that the mercury tends to sit in and it's it can be really difficult to detox the mercury you're from actually different organs. saying on those on mercury fillings that each time we like bite and, and and take a bite it's actually releasing toxins into our body and we inhale that right so that's right each time you chew yeah you're creating mercury vapor in your mouth wow so like first off if anybody has mercury fillings get rid of it right Mm -hmm. um what what else can we do like um we know what some of the symptoms are to heavy metals and they're really really not good they're like really really catastrophic symptoms we are exposed to it Obviously, we don't want to be exposed to it. Um, I'm going to try and limit that. But if we are, what can we do if we're affected by heavy metals? Is there any practices that we can follow or any things that we can do? Um, there, there are. Th- okay. One thing that's really interesting, and this is, this is really appeals to my engineering mind, um, things like supplements like your zeolite, Mm-hmm. Um, bentonite clay zeolite. Some people might be more familiar with your bentonite. They have this this structure. Okay, and think when you think positively charged, negatively charged. Mm-hmm. Your your clays, your zeolite is a form of clay. Mm-hmm. It's and it's negatively charged. Mm-hmm. Your metals are all positively charged. So if you introduce zeolite in, and zeolite has this like matrix kind of form where it's negatively charged, you introduce it into the body, you take the supplement every day. And the, anything that's positively charged is going to be attracted to that. 
The clever thing about zeolite is it attracts the metal and encapsulates it within the zeolite structure and then you you pass it through your body like any other waste product. But in the process, you're cleansing your body of the metals at the same time. Interesting. So and that's just using stuff. natural. Uh, yeah, it's using in a powder form. Okay. Um, the, and... One thing I find really interesting is, you know, I'm now living in a more agricultural community mm-hmm. and there's, you know, cattle and, and so on. And the supplements that we often give to the animals are the supplements that we need ourselves. And it's often in these communities that, it, you know, they recognise the benefits for the animals. And um, some of these supplements have been developed for you know, the rural communities, and then they've seen flow-on effects for humans Humans, and they've started introducing these same supplements into for, as, with a human dosage as opposed to a, for, the, for the animals. Interesting. Um, yeah. I know that I have a friend whose uh, child had, I can't remember what vaccination it was, but they, they noticed that after the vaccination, his attitude had changed and then he um, he's like really, really late to speak. Um, I think he's uh, three, four years old right now and I don't believe he's speaking yet. He's heavily autistic and they've gone out and they've, um, it may be a similar concept to these supplements you're talking about because uh, they were guided to give their child clay baths um, yeah. so then it brings out the negative ions and, and well, yes. negative ions are in there and it neutralizes and whatnot. On a, on a different note, I had done um, some research on a thing called earthing where we basically take yes. our shoes off and we go yes. out and we, we just walk on the earth. And the yes. whole concept about this uh, documentary that I actually saw about earthing was that the negative ions in the ground, yes. um, and, and it's good for our health, but I, I, I kind of tied the two together. Do they tie together? Is this Would this also be something that would be good for us? Or is it um, a topic? I think it's a different topic, and but you're talking positive negative ions, and I'm so pleased you brought this up because this ties in really beautifully with the radiation mm-hmm. as well. Um, because radiation, when you think about th- in nature, there is that natural um, layer of negative ions on the surface of the earth. So when when you go for a bushwalk or you go hiking and you're got all the trees and the green around you or you go to the beach and the beach is particularly interesting because you have the waves pounding and all of this beautiful mineral energy as well and um, you're also at the same time you're exposed to this layer of negative electrons on the surface of the earth that counteracts your radiation sources um so exposure to nature and earthing counteracts the radiation sources because the radiation sources generate more positive ions Mm -hmm. so one of the best things you can do to counteract the negative effects of radiation is to be in nature to walk barefoot on the ground you know especially, you know, if you're able to, to have that direct contact with the earth. And there are earthing products that you can buy as well because one of 
I think sometimes we can, we're supposed to be civilized and intelligent, but sometimes we've created an environment where we've actually insulated ourselves and isolated ourselves from the benefits of the earth. And that's, this is one way we've done it. We insulate our houses so we don't have contact with the earth. Um, we insulate the soles of our shoes so we can't feel the benefits of that positive layer of electrons. Kind of um, like a pro and a con. We get, the, we get the benefit of being able to protect our feet, but then we're losing out on something natural that uh, yeah. walking barefoot. I, I yeah, that sustains feet. us. Yeah. I, I didn't know that that was directly related to being beneficial for exposure to radiation. Um, I do it. I enjoy it. I also remember going down to the Amaz uh, the jungle in the Amazon, and we stayed in in this uh, really really deep jungle environment. And I was just walking around in my board shorts, barefoot through mm-hmm. the jungle for mm-hmm. about a week, and I felt amazing. I felt so yeah. good afterwards, and yeah. um, that that probably played a big role in it. And, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, amazing. So, so I live in a sapphire mining community, and one thing I love to do is go fossicking because you get your hands in the dirt. And, you know, gardeners would automatically be experiencing the benefit of earthing because you've got that direct contact with with the earth and there's something very grounding and, well, earthing and grounding that you feel the benefits, you feel grounded, you're in contact with the earth and it's very, I think it really taps into something very primal within us. That's awesome. You know, you know it's more, a connectivity. Mm. Yeah. The, the more research that my wife and I do on all of these health things, it's just, it all comes back to the simplicity of just sort of how things were maybe a couple of hundred years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it seems like all of these technical, like technology that's been brought into our world seems to cause a lot of complications. And a lot of it hasn't really been yeah. tested. Um, so I, yes. I find that quite fascinating and I like to try and keep it pretty simple. Um, your, your core message is the balance of the, the Trinity of mind, body, and spirit. Um, how do these, how do these work together? Uh, our mind, body, and spirit. Uh, it's <laughs> what there's several different ways of looking at this. So I'm kind of scrambling for how I'm going to answer your question. Um, I don't think you can view them separately, especially when you consider human health. Mm. I think when you look at human health, they all play a, a massive, they all play a huge factor. When you look at the spiritual aspect that taps into your belief systems and, um, what do you base your decisions on? What, you know, what do you believe about how humans interact with others? How do we treat each other? Mm -hmm. Um, Do we show mutual respect? Um, You know, those concepts. Um, So each time that we're having, if, if if we're coming from a spiritual perspective or if there's something that's the spiritual part of this trinity, it's directly affecting our body and it's directly affecting our mind. For sure. And our mind is directly affecting our body and our spirit and our body is affecting our mind and our spirit. And and this seems like, and when you were talking about this earlier, uh, this is kind of like the angles that you come with, with your, with your healing and your therapy, when you're um, treating people as you, you look at it from like a whole bunch of different angles to, to really bring balance. 
yeah uh, but i found even as a child um when i had health issues i had to address some very core beliefs that i realized were were flawed mm-hmm. and i think the biggest biggest issue with our belief system is do we feel connected or do we feel separate when we feel separate we're isolated we're alone we come from a place of fear and survival it's scary and the thing is all of us have had experiences where we've felt separate and shut off and disconnected but i think the most important part of our belief system is to recognize and realize that we are part of a, a connected system we are we are all interconnected and and the same in the same way we affect each other you know you know you and your wife you have a relationship if one of you is off the other one is going to feel it yeah. yeah and it's the same like it's been discovered that plants are all connected underground they have this there's this underground network of connection so you might have these two isolated well in australia we have loads of gum trees you might have these two massive gum trees that are about 500 meters apart but there would be some form of connection underground that where they they are connected they're communicating and it's the same for us when we believe we are separate i think that's when we're more prone to disease and infection and um other aspects of our health uh, you know the physical and the the mental things go awry things go wrong when when we believe we're disconnected this is especially relevant right now especially with like the recent lockdowns and everything like that um yeah, I, I think that it's got to have a big impact on how we actually feel and our health and everything like that. Not being as connected, not walking up to everybody and giving each other a hug like we usually do and high-fiving each other and all of this. And, and as you were saying this, I was also listening and I was thinking, well, like the, the polar opposite of the connection that we have is like solitary confinement for someone in prison. And apparently that's like one of the worst punishments that you can give to, to really hardened criminals is just lock them in completely by themselves in, in the dark and, and it's supposed to be miserable for them. So, yeah. Um, well, you're not, getting, you're not getting the feedback and the affirmation. That's why, that's why tools such as Zoom has just, they've gone off since the isolation because everybody wants that connection. We want to feel connected and tuned in. We we all need positive affirmation. We need to, we need confirmation that we belong to the people we love, that they love us, they love us and care for us. And even if we can't feel their hugs, we can see it on their faces. Hmm. So, yeah. So these video conferencing um, facilities are just so, so popular at the moment because we crave that connection. Yeah. It's like a way. We're very to... tribal people. Yeah. That's amazing. Essentially, yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, Joe, like, I mean, we've talked about a lot of stuff today and there's so much more I want to talk about. I really want to <laughs> delve into like the spiritual side of things with you, but we can only fit so much into one show and I'd love to have you back to talk about more um, and keep the conversation going. Um, before we take off though, um, 
Now, I know that you do both in-house and uh, distance therapy sessions. And I know that you've helped improve the health of like hundreds of people all over the world. Um, how do our listeners continue the conversation with you or find out more about how they can connect with you? First of all, I want to say thank you for having me on, the, on your show. It's been really exciting and it's, um, it, it's so heartwarming to know that there's there are people who are seeking knowledge about about health and and wanting to Im- improve their health and in a very natural positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I work I work with people through Zoom sessions, Skype, telephone calls, and so on. And um, my website Joe Douglas Joe is the best way of contacting me. My email address is Joe at Joe So. And for everybody it's listening right easy. now, we're going to have all of those links in the show notes um, so that you can have a conversation with Joe. And you can literally, you can be in a pilot seat. You could actually be in my position right now and have this conversation with Joe. I'm telling you what, I've got a lot out of this conversation. I've got a lot of out of our, out of our past conversations. I really enjoy talking to with you. You're a wealth of knowledge on health. You look at it from so many different angles. Thank you for sharing the knowledge that you share and improving lives because this is, this is really, really important. And this is, this is not the stuff that we're hearing about. Um, and I really think it's important that we get this out there. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. For all of our listeners, um, I hope you got a ton out of this. And I know that probably some of you know, if this is the first time you've heard about a lot of this or at least heard it on this deep at, at this amount of detail, it's probably a little bit overwhelming. And you're probably thinking, well, how can I possibly implement all these things in my life? So I would challenge you to take your biggest takeaway from today Um, maybe it was pH levels and you want to test the pH levels in your body, then go out there and try it. Go and get some pH strips, um, get Mm -hmm. them from your local pharmacy, try it, um, try eating high, high alkaline foods, test the difference, see what it feels like. And then I know what it feels like. I've done this. I know it's awesome. And then once you see the results, come back, listen to this episode again. And listen to the next thing that um, tickled your fancy and that, that you thought, wow, I'd really like to make that improvement. And, um, and you can sort of keep listening over and over and go back and, and hit them one by one. And if you want to go deeper and deeper and you want to look into whatever the specific needs are that you have for your specific health issues or, or health concerns, then Joe is, is an amazing person to talk to. And, and I'm really excited for you to have that connection with us. So make sure that you do reach out to her and her, her details are going to be in the show notes as well so um make sure i mean look we're here changing people's lives and we're here making people free so that they can live a freedom lifestyle and so your interaction guys really makes a big difference so if you're watching this on youtube make sure to subscribe to the channel give us a thumbs up leave some comments tell us what you think about it and you know if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform do the same leave a review the more people that know about this the more people we can help and you play a direct role in contributing to that your feedback your interaction really 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 does matter so thank you very much for tuning in today Um, it's been an absolute pleasure and thank you very much Joe Um, this is Bryce Robertson tuning out and you know live large live free I look forward to seeing you guys in the next episode